Want to get the edge with your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle have teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data for all the Premier League matches each game week. You combine betting market data with InfoGoal's performance data to try and find Pinnacle customers' value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Welcome to EPL Insights. It's game week 20. We've got around the corner, well, at least for most teams in the Premier League, and we're heading into the back end of the season. Gareth Wheeler, Jake Osgathorpe with you for another week of Premier League picks and predictions and reflections and everything in between with our data provided by InfoGoal. Back-to-back-to-back profitable weeks for you and I. The holiday season did really bring some presents for us, didn't it, Jake? Oh, it did, yeah. Um, I think any time you can get on a run like that, you have to be very thankful because, um, you know, in this game that we love that's called betting, you do have a lot of uh, peaks and troughs and you just hope that you've got enough of an edge that in the long run you make a profit. So um, it's good that we're we're churning out the winners right now. We're in profit of the last three weeks, as you've said. And yeah, I, I think we were discussing off air, we, we've, we've got some picks we like for this week, but it is a bit of a tricky slate. It is. Uh, first off, the betting side of things, um, that's the game. That's what we're all about. But bragging rights come into play on this podcast as well. What are you well. talking about? I don't know what Wheeler you mean. two, the Oz <laughs> one. As Newcastle came away, uh, it, it, obviously we've had cup games in between, uh, but they grinded, underline that word, grinded out a goalless draw with Arsenal last time out. Uh, our friendly bet between you and I, you were on Arsenal to win. I was on Newcastle to win or draw. So it looks like on the season in these head-to-head competitions, it's Wheeler 2, Oz 1. What do you make of that, Jake? Yeah, I, I've got to say I was doing my best Arteta impression uh, in the house. <laughs> uh, when the penalty shouts weren't given, um, yeah, I was I was going mental. Um, yeah, it's just it's one of those, Like I think... You know, we we both agree Newcastle are a very strong team. I'd expect them to be a little bit more offensive in that game and maybe leave a few more holes that could be exploited. But there was there was a silver lining for me because yes, Arsenal lost with a head to head bet, but Sheffield Wednesday, my team, beat Newcastle in the FA Cup. They so, did the revenge you know, game. Yeah, a bit Oscar of a revenge, game. revenge game right there. <laughs> yeah. But well, no, well I, done on that. 2-1. I'm sure we'll have a few more from now to the end of the season. It's just Newcastle just do not concede goals. And especially away, there was there, there was a profile at a game where they went to Old Trafford. It was nil-nil as well. Like, for the goals that they scored, and they scored multiple goals in multiple games, like in a lot of games this season, they, they, they simply don't concede. And that's where the strength of this Newcastle team comes from. And Arsenal, you take away Jesus. I still think they're ticking over nicely, and I'm looking for times to fade them. Last week was one. Not so much this week, by the way. Hint, hint, out of the North London Derby. But uh, yeah, like, look, I'll puff up my chest just for that moment, but we'll move on because uh, this game, like you said, called betting is very humbling. But but we did get off to a really hot start last week. Your best bet, Brentford, Liverpool, both teams to score. I mean, you, you maybe couldn't have predicted how it played out, the goals that were then taken away and Brentford smashing Liverpool in the end. And I think both of us loved Manchester United to beat Bournemouth to nil. And both of those played at a good price last week. It was a great way to start off the week. And then you bookended it with um, Manchester City beating Chelsea to nil. Uh, so again, another good week. We're tracking the numbers. We're following the numbers. And the last three or four weeks have been very good for us, Jake. Yeah, they have. And I think the the, the City win to nil is probably one of my favorite plays of the uh, of the season so far. Not just because it won, but just because we had um, you know everything that I spoke about from the data side of things to you know how things have started for Chelsea under, under Potter and and all that kind of thing just just came into fruition perfectly, and it was kind of exactly what I expected a low scoring, controlled City win. I thought Chelsea had they they gave more than I expected in the first half. Um, they had me a little bit worried, but as soon as the second half came, at I don't know who would have thought that taking off Walker and Cancelo would have changed the game in City's favour. But, um, you know, Pepper's a genius, as he said yeah. himself. Right. Uh, shout out to Brighton. They continue to be profitable for us as well. And once in a while on this podcast, you make a play and you just come back. You said, why did I do that? And I had Jake's voice in my head last week. Why did I bet on Southampton to beat Forrest at home? I mean, I know why I did, because Forrest were that bad away from home. But Southampton, you just simply can't bet on this team right now. 
They're unbettable the way that they're playing. I know that they won the cup game. We're recording on a Wednesday ahead of their um, EFL Cup uh, quarterfinal matchup against Manchester City. I don't think that's going to go well. And another winnable, quote-unquote, winnable game for them upcoming this weekend against Everton. So I, I learned my lesson. Um, the numbers didn't suggest I should make that play, but I did it anyways. And it cost me in the end. It could have been an even better match week 19. Um, we had a little bit of a conversation on last week's podcast when we're looking at the futures plays on pinnacle.com about when is the time, dep- depends how the markets are moving, to make a play on Manchester City to go on and win the Premier League. Uh, last week, City minus 225. I think it was getting in range. There's a five-point gap now between them or Arsenal and them atop the table. Now ahead of game week 20, the odds are a little bit less even, or a little bit better in your favor if you like Manchester City to go on and win the league. Minus 195 to win it. Arsenal still plus 165, but that number's dropped from plus 250. Both of Derby games this weekend. I'll repeat the question I asked last week. Is this the time to get on and make it Manchester City to win play if that's what you like? Um, I think that depends on how you expect the derby to go this weekend. Um, because if, if you think, like I do, that Man United have got a good chance of getting a result, then probably hold off on a week, uh, another week, um, especially given that I think Arsenal are probably going to get the job done at Spurs. So you might see those that price get a little bit bigger week on week if, if that's the case. But if you are of the of the mind that Man City will go to Old Trafford and win quite comfortably, then now would, would be the time to do it, just purely because if they go to, to a team that are red hot and do what they do to pretty much every team and, and grind out a 1-0, 2-0 win, that's not only three points in the bag, but it also is a statement of intent. Uh, the top four market, it's gone for me. I mean, I've been advocating a Manchester United play for quite some time. Now at minus 170, this team's only lost one game in their last 20 in all comps. Won eight straight games in a row. Uh, Liverpool, that might be the best play to make, even though there's a seven-point gap between Newcastle and United on 35 points, down to Liverpool on 28, but at minus 125. I understand that Virgil van Dijk is out for the next few weeks, but that would be kind of the only team that's on the outside that I'd be confident in right now that could make a play to break that break into the top four. Yeah, it's... it's I, it, looking at the market, is basically the same between Liverpool and Newcastle, which... You know, if you're giving me one of those two, I know Liverpool have got a game in hand, but I'd probably be taking Newcastle at even odds over Liverpool just purely because of what you said before, the fact that they are really strong defensively and Liverpool just simply aren't at the moment. Um, I do I do think Spurs warrant a second look at that price as well. I know you're not a massive fan um, and then they're not playing very well at all currently, but I think that there's more to come from this Tottenham team, especially when they get some more forward players fit. Kulosevsky's really key. Richarlison obviously is out. Bentancourt. They can't wait for him to come back. He needs to be back very, very soon for for Spurs to start finding a groove. So, yeah, I I think that price of plus 230 is tempting me because I've been very high on Spurs uh, pre-season. A little bit bit lower on them over the last couple of weeks and and it probably will continue to to trend in that direction until we start to see some either new faces through the door or or those injured players returning. But I think at this moment in time, that would probably be the value pick for me because they're still performing like a you know, a top five, top six team uh, from on the underlying numbers without those big, big players that they're missing. So, um, yeah, I, they're, they're the, I, I think Liverpool shouldn't be odds on. Let me say that much. I think that there's a little bit too much um, weighed in on, on Liverpool there. I think minus 125 is just too short. It really is. Um, for, for a team that rank as the sixth worst defensive team in, in the entire league with Virgil van Dijk, that's too short. Um. Before before we move on from the from the uh, from the futures bets into this week's games, is there anything when you look at the numbers, the XG numbers on InfoGoal, that suggests to you that whether a team's overachieving, whether a team's underachieving right now, that stands out to you, where there might be some future play value to be had? Um, I mean, the obvious ones: Bournemouth to be relegated because they've performed like the worst team in the league all season long based on the underlying numbers, but they are, you know, understandably favourites in the market now at minus 225. Everton to be relegated as well would be um, one of those to flag 19th unexpected points. Um, 
yeah, they, they, they are really not looking too too clever. Um, and you're getting a plus number on them to be relegated as well, which I think is really, uh, really interesting. Of the rest, um, you know, it's, a, it's not going to happen, but Brentford are a team that are performing like a top four side based on the underlying metrics, which plus 1,500 for them, uh, sorry, plus 15,000 for them to finish in the top four. I mean, it's not like it's not going to happen. There's too much ground to make up. Uh, but just highlighting their positive performances and and their process. If if you do want to, you know, take them in in any head-to-head matchups coming up, that'd be absolutely advisable. Uh, and the same with Brighton, just they just keep tramming along at that level, which is top six, top seven. Um, and definitely a team to keep on side. Again, probably a bit too much work to do in the in the top four, uh, fifteen hundred. But yeah, they're 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 the ones. And and definitely, you know, you're talking about fading Arsenal. Chelsea are a team to continue. Just fading them because their their underlying process is really not 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 very good. Um, you know, twelfth best in the league based on expected points. I know they're trying to bring in new players, new signings, but I think it, it you know from what we've seen, it's probably going to take Graham Potter a lot longer than many of us expected to to try and get them pointing in the right direction. It wouldn't be at all surprising to see them finishing the bottom half. Thirteenth place Leicester City is on seventeen points. Nineteenth place Wolves is on fourteenth. Uh, 14 points. There's not much to separate those sides. Um, just take a look at the numbers provided on InfoGoal in order to kind of come up with your own assessment of where teams stand. Perhaps Nottingham Forest plus 125 to go down. That seems a decent number as well. They're right in the mix of that sandwich of mediocrity right there at the bottom of the table. All of your future bet plays and the best numbers in market are at pinnacle.com. Uh, we're going to do things a little bit different this week. Typically, we go five feature matches and we try to go rapid fire, which ends up being a little bit longer because I'm long-winded. We have a lot to say, quite frankly, about each and every game, every match week. But there's three games in particular that pique our interest this week that we're going to spend the bulk of the time uh, focusing on. Then we'll go rapid fire for the remaining games. We should let you know there's a game on Thursday that we will not be um, taking part of, I believe it's a makeup game from what? What is it? The seventh, the the the, the seventh match week of the season. Um, yeah, it's something like that. It's, it's, it's one of those. Either the, it might be one from the Queen's the Queen's death that that's been pushed back. I know there's probably a couple more of those that are going to be dripping out over the next few weeks. But yeah, that's perhaps. a spanner in the works for, um, yeah, for the for the Saturday and Sunday fixture list anyway, because we don't know obviously how that game's going to go. So, so that's Fulham Chelsea. So just keep that in mind as you're listening to the podcast. And we'll deal with the respective games on the weekend. That is still to come. But we'll start off with the Manchester Derby this weekend. Really, it's a game of the weekend. It's the early match on Saturday as third place Manchester United faces uh, second place Manchester City. Four-point gap between these two teams. Boy, when, when they played last time and City just smashed United 6-3. You never thought that things would be this close between these two teams in the table, but a United victory at home in this game can close that gap between these crosstown rivals to just a point. United coming off back-to-back victories in the Carabao Cup, as well as the FA Cup over Charlton and Everton, rather straightforward in both. There's been some rotation in their squad as well. Four straight wins in the Premier League for United, eight wins in a row overall, and only one loss in their last 20. Uh, their last time out in the Premier League, a 3-0 home victory at Bournemouth. Jake and I were both on them to win to nil in that game. Rashford has goals in six straight games, eight straight games at home with a goal, and he scored seven in six games since the World Cup. No player in the Premier League has scored more goals over that span than Marcus Rashford. Who is this guy right now? He's unbelievable. He scored 15 goals overall this season as well. United have been very good at home. Remember when they lost in their opening game of the season? Uh, to Brighton at home? Well, they're 6-1-1 one one on the season at home. That's their only loss. Their only other time they've dropped points was against Newcastle in a goalless draw. They've only given up four goals in the Premier League at home and have five clean sheets in the Premier League at home overall. They've been the first to score in six of the last six games. Some question marks about Dallo came off against Charlton with a little bit of a hamstring. They're calling it precautionary, but we'll see. And Van de Beek is most certainly out. For Manchester City, they're playing Southampton in the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup. Uh, that game's 
taking place after taping today. So any injuries or data coming from it, it will not be included in this podcast. Back-to-back wins over Chelsea, just embarrassing Chelsea. 4-0 in the Cup, 1-0 away in the Premier League. Mahrez, three goals in two games as Pep Guardiola, he's really rotated his squad over the last few games. Uh, Four points back of Arsenal. They're second best in XG to Liverpool. Second best expected goals against the Arsenal overall. 5-2-1 away from home with the best XG and the best expected goals against in the Prem. But only 14 goals in eight eight games is just sixth best in terms of away goal scoring form. Rodri is the only player for Pep that's played in ever started in every game since the return from the World Cup. Just Rodri. That's it. Uh, Erling Holland, of course, 21 goals on the season. That's six better than Harry Kane and nine better than Ivan Toney. City first to score in five of five. Diaz hasn't been playing. He has a hamstring issue. I mentioned it before. City won October 2nd, 6-3. Holland hat trick. Foden hat trick in that game. It was 4-0 at halftime. It was really very much a no contest. Interestingly, though, in that game, Casemiro did not start. Luke Shaw did not play for United. Two of the standout players for United this Premier League season. City have won three straight against United, outscoring them 12-4 in the process. Before that, United actually won three games and picked up a draw in their in their five previous games against Man City. This tie, or this fixture, I should say, has gone over two and a half goals in six out of eight, uh, six out of eight games. And City has been first to score in four of five. Uh, United still a significant underdog here. A United home win plays at plus 343, a draw at plus 301. And Man City, a victory for them at minus 121. I think that's as thorough as I can get on this matchup, Jake. I'll hand things over to you. What stands out to you about this matchup? Um. Just the fact that you know we United have, have come on leaps and bounds since the last meeting. Um, was it ten games ago from a Premier League perspective, and the, and they've actually picked up more points across that time than, than Manchester City, which I think um, is you know something that's not spoken about enough. The um, you know across that or since that last meeting, they've actually had a better defensive process as well than Manchester City, which I think again is kind of highlights the um, you know the improvements that have been made there. We've just allowed 0.95 expected goals against per game across that that period. So I I basically, you know, I'm coming down to the fact that this is going to be much closer than the last meeting. I, I, you know, it's kind of obvious. We're not expecting United to go 6-1 down and uh, and score two late goals to, to make the scoreline look half respectable. I think they'll be in this game from the off. And I think that they've got a a balance and a, a rhythm at the moment, which is the potential to stifle City. Um, now, I'm not going to go all the way, pull the trigger on, on Man United getting a positive result, but... I think that they'll, the the way in which they will get a result is to keep the goal scoring at a minimum. So I think that under two and a half goals for me looks a cracking bet. You're getting a plus number, plus one twenty. So it's a, it's a decent price. Um, and you know everyone's going to be like, well, over two and a half goals, Man City are playing. Yeah, but over two and a half goals in Man City away matches this season they only landed thirty eight percent of the time. So sixty two percent of City away matches have gone under two and a half goals. Um, and that's partly because they have they are so solid at ho- away from home. 0.99 expected goals against per away game is the second best in the league behind only Arsenal. Um, and you know, away from home, they don't create as many chances as they do at home. It's around 0.25 less per game. Um, and you know, as I said, United have been the better of the two defensively since they last met. So they'll be more, um, you know, they'll be more than capable of. Of, try, of doing a bit more of a better job on City and um, and yeah you mentioned him there Casemiro has probably been probably I mean a bit behind Haaland the best signing of the summer because he's just completely revolutionised um, United he's, he's exactly what they've needed for two three years now and um, yeah he's going to be crucial to their chances and um, yeah I, I just thought that I could see this being a little bit of a cagey kind of for some reason these games these this matchup seems to be quite cagey whenever they play at Old Trafford, but it's the opposite at, at the Etihad. So the last four meetings at Old Trafford have gone under two and a half goals. Yeah. Um, Manchester City have won was it two of them, two, drawn two. Um, so yeah, it, it's it, for whatever reason it is it's much more controlled than it is chaos when as opposed to the Etihad where you've had six threes, you've had four ones, um, and generally been quite high scoring. So. That was another thing that tilted me towards the unders. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, we've seen City over the last couple of years have just gone away to these big six teams and um, managed games and won one nil in sort of a convincing fashion, but without being overly dominant like they did at Chelsea. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a similar result, which is the only thing that's making me hesitate from getting United on side. So um, yeah, I'm just happy to oppose goals. I think that number's really nice. I'm on, I'm on a couple trains of thought here. The one is the under as well, and you're getting more juice at um, under two and a half goals at plus one twenty one. That, that's a that that's a big number. Um, you know, if you're looking for more of the even money, the line is at two point seven five. So if, if three goals are scored um, and, and and you pick and you, and you pick the under, then it's like a, a split bet there. So. I, I like the under two and a half as well at plus one twenty one. That's the one thing that jumped out. The other thing that jumped out, and I'm curious to see if the line moves anymore, is City to w- just go on and win this game. I, I, I still think there's a gap in quality between where Manchester City's at and Manchester United has been a lot better, but this might be a step too far or too too maybe maybe a step too soon for them because I think we can acknowledge that it's an incomplete side right now. And I'm, the one thing, all the numbers in, in terms of defensive play for Manchester United have been vastly improved. Still, are they creating enough chances and do they have enough finishers in this team to then go on and finish those chances? I still have some real question about United's attack. Marcus Rashford's been on sensational form. Bruno Fernandes comes in. He's going to be rested. He didn't play in the Carabao Cup, but... Is that enough against this Manchester City team? When I hear Pep Guardiola speak this week and say he's has some thoughts, he has some ideas, he's been looking in, he's clearly been focused on games like this. That would make me nervous if I'm a United supporter, and I am a United supporter here. Should make you happy. Usually, when he overthinks things, they go really, really badly wrong. That's all just in the Champions League, though, because in the (laughs) Premier League, it doesn't work out that way. Uh, So. City at minus 121 just to win this game. You're right. It could be 1-0. It could be 2-0. Um, so I like the under at a City win in this game. The, the, those would be my two plays. Probably both just half plays because th- there's been something watching. I don't know if, if the numbers kind of show this, Jake, but when, when you watch City play, it's it's like they're saving something. It, it just hasn't been as fluid and has been ticking over like you typically see with this team, which might actually be a good thing right now. I just feel like they're keeping something in the reserves. Perhaps it's for games like this. I'm not quite sure. And the way they just absolutely dominated United last time, that that sticks with me as well. So City and the under, two separate plays, two half plays uh, in this game to the under in Manchester City. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying there. And um, they, de- they definitely, when it gets to the second half of the season, they enter sort of a juggernaut mode. They just click into juggernaut gear and they just sort of grind out these, like you said, conservative 1 0, 2 0 wins everywhere. Where the, you know, they don't, they never really, or they haven't for the last year or two, gone for the kill. You've never seen them just go all out when they get two or three up and go, all right, we'll score five and six. Some Most of the time, he calls the dogs off. And like you said, they conservative energy. So yeah, I definitely can see uh, a narrow city win. The only thing that put me off, getting on side with City is the price. I think it's a little bit too short. And the reason I say that is because um, City went, obviously played Chelsea last week away from home. They were minus 151. And in my opinion, Man United are a much better team than Chelsea right now. So the fact you're getting minus 121, I don't think it's a big enough jump. Um, See, you know, like minus 151 implies a probability of 60% to win the game. Minus 121s at 54.8%. And I personally think that um, that Man United are much but a, a greater than that 5% difference to Chelsea. I think that they're probably 7, 8%. So if if the you know if if the the Limes are at minus 113, minus 114, I probably would be interested in getting City on side. But I just don't think the market has reacted quick enough to the improvements United have made, which is the only hesitancy. Yeah. When Pep says that he has something up his sleeve. I, I immediately go to Bruno Fernandez in that team. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of Bruno Fernandez, his attacking play, the effort. He loves to press, even though sometimes it doesn't work within the team concept. I think that him playing in that midfield role is an area that City can exploit and they can just dominate possession and move that ball around and drag them all over the place. It's games like this where Fernandez has to show to me that he can still play within that team concept and not be exposed from a defensive perspective. 
So that, it's interesting that's, where to say my, that. that's where my concern would be because he's really the only X factor or the main X factor that United has aside from maybe Erickson on set pieces, it can go in and create something, but it, it, at times you watch him, he can be a defensive liability in games like this. Yeah. As I was say, it's interesting you say that because in my mind, I don't think he'll play centrally Bruno. I think he'll play as a right winger on the right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Erickson will play in, in middle. I think he'll play Fred. I think Fred and Casemiro are playing in this game. Um, and Rashford down the left. That that's how I I expect United to line up. And we've seen sort of trials of the Bruno on the right, haven't we? Later in games when he's been making subs, his Bruno's naturally drifted to the right because there's not as many strong wingers to come in and play. Um, but yeah, I, I I could foresee him doing something like that and just try and because ultimately when when City attack, their fullbacks come inside. It's very rarely overlap. So if you can if you've got a winger that naturally wants to come inside, then that hopefully you'd expect would create quite a lot of bodies in that small space um, and maybe would stifle their creation. But um, it, it's, it's going to be an interesting tactical battle because I, I think both coaches are very smart and they will they will both have something up their sleeve, no doubt, for, for trying to deal with. Um, my only concern is that is if Diego Dallo is, is, is fit or not, because I think he would be quite important um, if Bruno does play as a right as a right winger in terms of supplying that that width. Um, and that uh, creativity from out wide. Um, I think he got taken off in the Carabao quite early, so probably just one to keep an eye on. Um, and I know, I know we, we both agree Wan-Bissaka has been playing pretty well, um, but he doesn't quite offer that same attacking impetus. And, and do, his weakness is defending the far post, like every time. And, you know, that's an area Foden's playing on that side and track. It's. It, I think there's some difficult matchups for United. Casemiro has to be that difference maker he's been. We'll see if they can deal with Holland in the City attack um, in this game. It, it, I, I'm really looking forward to it. It's really very much a litmus test game for Manchester United. And we'll see if they can perform. So just confirm your play, Jake. What, what's your play in this game? Um, my play is under two and a half at plus 121. Half play for me there and half play a City win. I, I've not... Locked in that play, in fairness, City to win at minus 121. I'm hoping that number uh, comes down a little bit more and you get a little bit more juice. Um, I think that, you know, depending on what happens with City, Southampton uh, today, but I look I look at that being a highly rotated side, might not have much to do about anything unless there's a potential injury involved in that game. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, let's move on. I, I love this game. This game's incredibly intriguing. Because it's eighth place Brighton and sixth place Liverpool, and just one point separates these two sides. And they played an absolute wonderful game, a 3 3 draw in Deserby's first game in charge of Brighton back in October. Brighton, after a 4 2 home loss to Arsenal, uh, get back to back away wins 4 1 over Everton and 5 1 over Middlesbrough in the cup. 18 uh, year old Evan Ferguson, the latest emerging talent. There's a pipeline there, isn't there? They just continue to come through he looks really good providing some attacking depth probably an area that they might they, they need a little bit more uh brighton have the sixth best expected goal differential at home a three two and three record at home with 13 goals in eight games they've gone over the two and a half goal total in 10 10 of 11 in all competitions and seven of seven in the premier league both teams to score same thing 10 out of 11 in all competitions, 7 out of 7 in the Premier League, no clean sheets in four, however. This is Deserby ball. Jake has warned you about this, or at least highlighted this on a weekly basis, and it's happening and playing out before our eyes. Trissard is 50-50, dealing with a little bit of a knock. He did score a hat trick in the trip to Anfield in that thrilling 3-3. Liverpool, a 3-1 loss to Brentford, then a 2-2 draw at home to Wolves in the Cup. They've conceded in seven of their last eight games in all competition and each and every one of their last seven games in the Prem. They've gone over the two and a half goal total and both teams to score in their last six games in the Premier League as well. They still have the best XG, 39.7 in 17 games, but, and this is the big but, they're 14th in expected goals against on the season. Two, two, and four away. Wow, that's it. And 11 goals scored and 13 against on their away travels. And an XG, however, that's positive, barely 16.2 to 15.9. Virgil van Dijk is out for the next few weeks as well. Like I said, it was a 3-3 draw last time they played uh, in Deserby's first game. Both teams to score have come through 5 out of 7 when these two teams play. Liverpool first to score an 8 of 10. And Brighton have never beat Liverpool 
at the Amex, or at least home, wherever they played before. So it could be a first this weekend. Um, look, both teams thrilling when it comes to attacking football. Liverpool a nightmare defensively. Is that kind of where your starting point is when you're looking and analyzing this game? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a simple kind of question to me. Is just, just how can I get goals on side? Um, yes. This is this is absolutely a game that could be any scoreline. Like you could pick, you could you could see a seven three something daft like that because these two teams are. Well, we know Liverpool can't defend, uh, but their attack's still looking pretty strong. And, and Brighton just just play chaotic football where they create loads of chances, but give you the opportunities as well. So, you know, yeah, I was just looking at both teams' scores a little bit too short. At the overs is, is set at three, but if you combine the two, you can get minus one twelve for both teams to score and over two and a half goals, which just looks like an absolute like monster bet. That 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 could be one of the bets of the of the season, just purely because of all the figures are pointing towards. You know, really, really high scoring here. So, um, yeah, Deserbi is just a bit of a mentalist when it comes to football. It's really fun to watch. Um, eight of their eleven in the league under under Deserbi have seen both teams score on over two and a half land. So it's a really high click rate. Um, they've averaged one point six seven expected goals for per game, one point five seven expected goals against per game. So you can see there that they're just, you know, they're giving and creating at the same rate. Um, and then at the other end, Liverpool. Uh, overall, the sixth worst defensive team in the league, 1.7 expected goals against um, is what they're allowing. But away from home, that actually rises to 1.99, which is the fifth worst. So away from Anfield, they are performing like a relegation team in terms of defensive process. Um, and both teams to score and the over two and a half goal bet has landed in all of the last six. Um, yeah, all of the last six Premier League matches and it's landed in six of eight away matches across the whole season. So You've got really high percentages for both teams in terms of this bet landing. Um, you know, you've got two defences that are very easily exposed, but you've got two attacks that are extremely strong and, and should have no problems creating. So, um, yeah, I, I'm just all aboard the goals train, really. I looked at that one, I but this is going to be my best player of the week. I'm just going to stick with the over, over three. <laughs> like they, they scored six last time they played. They keep on going over two and a half goals. Both these teams, neither can do it for all the reason that you dictate. And you're going to give me over three at basically even odds at minus 101. That's a good number for me. I mean, you know, if it's three goals, if it's a two one or a three nil, then that's fine. You get your money back. But I'm pretty confident it's going to go over that number four or five in this game. It could be a three two. Like, that's my best bet of the week. Over. Give, give me that all day. I, I can't see it. You know, famous last words, but I can't see it finishing in the under. The the the, the way that the numbers show, the way that these teams play, their profiles. Um, yeah, give, give me over three at minus 101. I'm also tempted, and this, I may lock in a second play here. I'm really thinking about this. Uh, Brighton on the handicap of half a goal at minus 122. I, I, I can't make a Liverpool play away from home right now, the way that their form is Van Dyke out of the team, their midfields detached, you know, it's going to take some time for Gakpo to get acclimated, get involved um, with the team at the level that, you know, they're expecting to play at. I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to make a Brighton play, but at minus 122, it's, it's, it's just not quite a number that I like right now, but I think that Brighton can come away with something in this game. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, I was the same thoughts of you in terms of wanting to get them on side, but very little um, value in, in the prices available. I'd, a little An outside bet would be um, Karo Mitoma to score any time at plus 583. He scored in both the last two Premier League matches. Looks really, really sharp. Um, he he looks really good at the World Cup as well. Frustratingly, um, for Japan, uh, Japanese followers, he was brought on as a sub in every single match that they played, which was bizarre. And then he was their best player. Um, and he's actually started playing regular football under Deserby um, and playing as a left winger rather than a left back, which, uh, or a left wing back, if you like, which, which I think is really exciting. And, um, you know, just, just, just watch him because he's brilliant. Um, and yeah, that some of the prices that you're getting here. So Mitoma is priced at plus 583 to score. He's averaging 0.33 expected goals per 95 minutes, which is, you know, effectively the equivalent of one big chance every single game. Um, but, you know, just, if that's not enough for you, then the fact that he's behind 
the likes of Joel Matip and Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott and Naby Keita in the odds to score any time, like players that you, that, you know, probably won't play or very rarely get on the score sheet and threaten the goal. So um, that looks like a big number. And, and, you know, if you think this is going to be, as we as we both do, like high scoring, 2-2, two, 3-2, two, two, that kind of game, there's every chance that, um, you know, left winger of, of Brighton gets involved. Well, one more, more I'll suggest with a little bit more juice and, you know, if, if Matoma scores and someone else scores, then Brighton go over a one and a half goal scored in this game. If you look at the team total for Brighton over one and a half goals, it plays at plus 155 in this game. As poor as Liverpool has been defensively, Brighton's ability to score plus 155. Like if, if you're looking for juice, if you do think that Brighton can replicate their attacking performance last time they played and replicate what they've been doing over the last few months here under Deserby, uh, over one and a half goals at plus 155 seems a decent play to make for me, Jake. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, I guess the nail in the coffin of that bet is the fact that you've got a Brighton team that have created chances, scored goals or scored multiple goals against Southampton, Arsenal, Everton. Like Liverpool's defensive process is worse than all three of those teams. Yeah. So, you know, they, they've got, you know, they've had no problems scoring twice against Arsenal, for example, who are the, the best travelling defensive team in the Premier League. Um, so what they're going to be able to do at home to Liverpool, who rank sixth worst. So, yeah, I, I, I'm the, the annoying thing for the people in the UK is that this isn't a televised game and we obviously have the 3pm blackout, so we can't watch this, which is frustrating. But, you know, instead we've got to watch Brentford Bournemouth at 5.30. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> the schedule people have really done us there. Just come to Canada every game, no matter, <laughs> you know, just, just no blackouts, no problem. You get to just sit back and enjoy. And I can't wait to watch this game. It should be brilliant to watch. So um, our third and final feature match that we want to focus on here, Spurs and Arsenal. So North London Derby Spurs are fifth place on 33 points, 11 points back of top of the table, Arsenal. Spurs, a 4-0 away win at Crystal Palace, kind of eased the panic a bit, right? Like fan groups were up in arms. It's just like, just just breathe, just relax. Uh, The four goals were scored on just 1.54 XG, and all the goals were scored in that Palace game in the second half. They scuffled. If you're on that Palace, you know, first to score bet that I stayed away from last week and warned you about, then you were thinking that things look good and you probably blame Jordan Ayew for not passing the, it was wide open inside the area and just selfish football. It's been the story of Palace's season, but this is about Spurs here. And they do have a player named Harry Kane. Who's pretty good. Scored a brace in that game as well. Spurs scored first, finally breaking that streak of 10 in a row in all competitions, conceding first. They also beat Portsmouth one nil in the cup. And guess what? Harry, uh, Harry Kane scored again in that. Uh, five goals and five for Kane in all competitions. Uh, Spurs are two points back of United for fourth, or you know Newcastle and United for fourth. But specifically with Manchester United, they played one more game, and they're five points out of Liverpool, and they've also played one more game than Liverpool to this point as well. Spurs, it, it seems very, you know, not like Antonio Conte's side sides, but they've scored the third most goals in the Premier League on the season. They're six zero and three at home, and the three losses have come for Spurs in their last four home games. They gave up two goals to Newcastle, Liverpool, and Villa at home, and three goals at home to Leeds. Richarlison, Kulisevsky, Benton, Kerr, all still have that question mark beside their name about their participation. Arsenal played to a nil-nil against Newcastle, 1.07 XG to just a 1.08 in that game. They did beat Oxford uh, 3-0 in the Cup. And Kedia, he scored a brace in that game. He's now scored five in his last six games. Saka did come off in that game, but uh, it seems to be that he's fine. He'll be good to go this weekend. And Mill Smith-Rowe is back in the mix. He's worked his way back into the side to somewhat full fitness, but really he's on the outside looking into that starting 11. It's pretty settled right now and a very consistent group that is, is playing really well. They have a five-point lead over City, the best expected goals against in the Premier League at 15.5 and 17. The best away record, 7-1-1. One, and one. They have the second best uh, away expected goal difference at 7.1 or 7.4. In some context, the third best team in terms of away expected goal differential is Newcastle, and it's just two. So there's a big gap between City, Arsenal, and everyone else in the Premier League in terms of expected goal differential away from home. Uh, 
They have clean sheets in the Premier League four of their last six games for Arsenal as well, speaking to their defensive strength. Um, earlier this year, it was a 3-1 win for Arsenal over Spurs. Guess what? Harry Kane scored in that game as well. Emerson Royale with cheese was sent off uh, at 2-1 in that game. Uh, Kane has scored 14 goals against Arsenal all time, the joint most, most he scored against any team in the Premier League. And it was 3-0 in this fixture last season, a home win for Spurs in that game. And Harry Kane scored a brace and Rob Holding was sent off in that game. So Harry Kane scoring, players being sent off, a common theme here. Arsenal are without a clean sheet in their last 12 against Spurs. And they've gone over the total of two and a half goals in four of their last five meetings. A a big game here. Um, How do you look at this game? Uh, Do you like Spurs? Do you like Arsenal? Where do you stand? Um, well, I was I, when I was doing the research for this, I was leaning towards something goal related, um, but then I just took a very Gareth Wheeler approach and just said, <laughs> "Arsenal are better than Spurs. They're just better." Um, you, you know, what am I messing around at? Arsenal are just better. Plus one twenty two is a big price for a team that are far superior to the other team. Um, <laughs> you've got the exact same. Yeah, I got, I got it might. circled, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that, they, they're just better. And, and you know, it, it's something that, that I said uh, when I backed Arsenal to beat Liverpool, for example. I, I came to the same conclusion. Arsenal are just better at that time than Liverpool. And, um, yeah, they, they are better than Spurs. And, and, you know, just to add a little bit of... Uh, Extra context, Spurs in particular have not fared well against the good, the, the better teams this season. They've lost four of five against the current top six in the league, including two out of two at home. Um, you know, Liverpool and Newcastle being the two teams that they've they played at, at, at home and lost to. Across those five games, um, they've posted a, a negative expected goal differential. So when they play the better teams, they really struggle um, to create chances and limit chances. Um, and since the break, just to add extra... Um, extra fuel they've actually had massive issues creating chances and and part of that is down to the fact that generally Spurs need to score first to be in a position where they are suited um you know we we know that Antonio Conte likes to play a little bit more of a counter-attacking brand of football um so that's why they've struggled so much recently is because they've been conceding first and having to chase games which is not what he wants to do um, but yeah, they, they've you know I don't know they, they hammered Crystal Palace, but even if you include that game, they've they've averaged just one point zero four expected goals for um, across the three matches against Brentford, Villa, and Palace. And you know Brentford are a decent team. Villa are probably improving and will be eleven for twelve. And Palace not having the season we expected, but are still a half decent team. But they're nowhere near the level of Arsenal. So if they had such struggles creating against those three. What they're going to do against the best defensive team in the league when playing away from home? Um, so yeah, Arsenal, as you've said, they, they've been solid away from home, the best away team in the league. Um, process-wise, they've won the XG battle in eight of nine away matches, which is why their record is so good. So yeah, that all all of that just just made me just just cut through straight away and just be like, right, well, let's ride with Arsenal. Um, this is a great opportunity to make a statement, not only in in North London, but um, you know, across the Premier League as well. Not fading Arsenal this week. Arsenal plus 122. Love this play. They're the better side. You said it. <laughs> they're a great away team against the Spurs side with all kinds of question marks about the way they play, how they're playing. Um, I, at plus 122, it's a great number as well. And I said this last week, typically games like this where the better teams coming through away from home, providing a plus number. Those games have been cashing on a regular basis this season. It's just been a consistently good play to make. So I'm going to make it again this week. The only other thing I want to add, um, because Harry Kane scores against Arsenal. He, he just does. Both teams have scored an Arsenal win, comes through and plays on pinnacle at plus 333. We'll see. I'm, I'm not locking in yet. I like the Arsenal to win on a plus number, but that might be a play that interests you out there as well. Not too much more to add on this one. To be honest with you, I mean, you know, these games have been very emotional. It's going to be emotional again this weekend, but this Arsenal side, they just look like a machine right now. Odegaard, Martinelli, Saka, like they're playing on another level. Stability in the midfield, good at center back. The the, the fullbacks provide defensive cover. You know, Zinchenko's better than Tierney coming down the left-hand side. Ramsdale's done well. It's hard to criticize Arsenal right now, and they're the better team than Spurs, point blank. 
Yeah, I think the only the only weakness really, it's not really a weakness because he's been scoring, but is is that there's no Jesus. Otherwise, you've got a fully fit Arsenal team heading to uh, to Tottenham. Um, but yeah, and has been doing enough to yeah. keep them ticking over, hasn't he? In terms of, um, I, I don't think his hold up plays as good as, as Jesus, but you know he seems to be anyway a little bit more clinical, which with the chances that he's getting, which I think is is interesting moving forward. So. Um, yeah, Gabriel Jesus was underperformed his expected goals total this season. Uh, I think six goals from eight point three expected goals, and then Ketier uh, after the the week uh, the the last Premier League game he was I think six goals from five point nine or something like that. So he's performing in line with what would be expected, and and I think that's that's a really interesting thing because Jesus is really over a long period of time has been a, a player that has been consistently underperforming his expected goal total so which would obviously categorize him as a poor finisher so if you've got if you've got a balance of the two if you've got one striker that's a really hot finisher and will take his chances and you've got one that does all sorts of other things and and that, that's one of the reasons why Pep pushed him out wide eventually is because he couldn't <laughs> afford to get him in the in the the positions of a number 9 and him not take the chances um but yeah um that's the only kind of issue i have with Arsenal really but but given the ways Enketi has been playing that you know, if he has another good game here, then do we start talking about them, or do we just completely forget about Gabriel Jesus and that issue that that his his injury leaves them? So, yeah, um, I, I I know what you're saying about both teams to score. I probably would go the other way with an Arsenal win to nil if you're looking at a bigger price, Ooh. just just because of Arsenal's defensive process has been so good um, away from home, and, and Tottenham's attacking process has been so poor since that since the restart, and they're still missing key players in forward areas. So. Um, you know, we saw them struggle against Portsmouth. It needed a a wonder strike from Kane, didn't it, in the second half to kind of win that game. And I won't be at all surprised if if they were restricted to or limited to those kind of uh, attempts again. So there you go, multiple plays for all three of the feature matchups. All should be great this weekend. Honestly, it's a really good weekend of Premier League football and three games with some potential value and lots of reason to go on and watch and get involved with those games this weekend. All the best odds are found on Pinnacle. Let's go truly rapid fire for the remaining games this weekend. Starting off with a game on Friday, it's 11th place Villa and 14th place Leeds. Do you have a play in this game, Jake? I do, yeah. It's a small play, though. Um, Both teams have scored no, which comes out a big plus number at plus 120. A few reasons for this. Leeds, um, their attack has not really kicked on as we'd expect. I know they brought in a couple of new players, um, but I'm fully expecting Villa and their defence to really step up. Um, you know, they've since Emery took over, they've conceded just 1.25 expected goals against per game. If you remove the Liverpool game in which they conceded over three expected goals, which does look like an outlier, um, then they're running at 0.77 um, per game, which is a really impressive defensive process. So I think it'll be a tight game. I think it'll be you know the unders definitely w- was on my mind, but I just thought to get a bit of extra juice out of the price, opposing the both teams to score was uh, was the way in. Uh, full play for me in this game: Villa over a goal and a half goal total at minus one ten. So they basically need to score two goals. Villa have a top ten expected goal differential at home. Leeds are miserable away from home. First of all, they're fourth worst overall in expected goals against on the season. Five points away from home is tied for the worst. Just one win. They've conceded 17 away. And over two and a half has come through in their games in six of the last seven. Now, they drew. It was a goalless draw last time they played. But Villa in that game had a 2.58 XG. Um, and Villa, I, I just think at home, they're a far better side than Leeds are traveling away. And I, I've documented this on a weekly basis, how poor and how erratic Leeds are from a defensive perspective. I'm not sure what the total, what the final score will be, but I like Villa to score at least two goals in this game. So give me that at minus 110. Uh, 19th place Wolves and 17th place West Ham. Are you looking at anything here? Uh, no, no bet from me. We can move on from, from me on this one. Yeah, I I was I circled initially West Ham draw no bet, but I can't do it. Like some of their underlying numbers on the season are actually quite decent. Like they've scored six goals in nine away from home on the season, but they've an XG of thirteen point six. But they've been on a dreadful run of form in the Premier League, and I need to to see some improvement. Like their expected league position according to Info Goals ninth, but when are they going to turn it around? And this Wolves team under Lopetegui looks like they can actually score some goals right now. So I'm staying away. I'm not quite sure how that game's going to play out. 
Um, 15th place Forest and 13th place Leicester City. What do you make of this? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Forest on the handicap. Um, Forest plus note. You know, I think I said it last last week or the week before that Forest are generally a team I like to get on side when they're playing at home. They they are a, effectively a completely different side um, playing at the city ground than, than when they're playing away. They're unbeaten in five home matches now. Um, they're also won the last the last Premier League matches in away games, so they'll be they'll be on a bit of a high for that. I'm pretty sure they'll just forget about the FA Cup altogether and that abysmal showing. Um, but yeah, all all five of those games in which they were beaten have come against what you would call decent opponents. I think no, like um, you know, there's no Bournemouths or Everton's in there. It's you've got Villa, Liverpool, uh, Brentford, Crystal Palace, probably the only one that you might say are a bottom half team, and, and Chelsea. So you know, the decent decent schedule if they've faced and if they've performed pretty well, and, and the underlying numbers are are very good as well across that five game period. One point four expected goals for and against Leicester. I'm still not impressed with Leicester. They've been yeah. awful. Ugh. They've been really bad. Um, they've got a few players coming back from injury as well, so you, you'd hope to see things turn around. But away from home, allowing over two expected goals against per game, one of the worst defensive teams when travelling. Six away defeats from nine, including at Bournemouth. So if Bournemouth can beat Leicester, then I'm pretty sure Forest can. So I'm, I'm happy to take plus naught on the Asian handicap, which obviously if, if, if it's a draw, we get our money back. Uh, that's fine. I understand why you're making that play. But if you're going to be over two and a half goals at a plus number, I'm taking it when Leicester City plays. Uh, over two and a half goals at plus 104. Leicester City have conceded 21 goals in nine away games. Uh, it finished 4 0 in Leicester City's favor the first time that these two sides play. A lot of injuries in this team. I think it could mean for mistakes. It might not be pretty, but I think you get over that total. Um, and a plus number. Uh, thank you very much. I'll take that all day. Uh, another relegation battle here. Lots of games at the bottom half of the table this weekend. 18th place Everton uh, faces 20th place Southampton. Uh, what do you make of this one? Uh, these these games either go one of two ways, don't they? They're either really cagey, boring, nil-nils because no one wants to lose, or you get quite an entertaining game because these two yeah. teams both need a win. Um I think I'm it's going to be the latter, the latter. Jake. Yeah, yeah me yeah. too. Good. Yeah, I'm hoping for the latter. Yeah, the over over two and a half plus one thirteen. That that for me is is a big number. Um, like I said, it's a huge game. Over two and a half landed in four of uh, Everton's last five home matches. They're playing more on the front foot across that stretch. One point three two expected goals for per game. So that's up on the the early on in the season. Defense is still questionable though. Um, Southampton will have confidence after that FA Cup win not just because it was a win but because they actually beat a Premier League team which is something that they've not done prior to that um, uh, and yeah three of three of Nathan Jones four league games have gone over two and a half as well um, they're still shipping loads of chances 1.7 expected goals against the game so you've got two really poor defences going together um, in what could be you know, a bit of a frantic mess of a match which could lead to quite a few goals I completely agree with you um, in addition to, to the over numbers that Everton has put in recently. So they have been scoring in games. They just can't defend very well. These two teams played to an Everton win. It was 2-1 when they met in October. But the XG in that game was 2.12 to 2.58. I I can see something similar playing out in this one. Over two and a half goals at plus 113, I'm on it as well. Um, I was thinking both teams to score, but just at minus 116, go where the value is. Plus 113 for two teams at this game, they have to come out and play, and both certainly have defensive deficiencies. Ninth place, Brentford. 16th place, Bournemouth. One of their favorite plays here on this podcast is making Brentford bets when they play at home. So what do you have for us this week? I'm actually avoiding uh, a bet. Yeah, I just think Brentford are a bit short um, to to get onside, and, and I don't really trust them on the handicap. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm happy to have no bet on this one. I'm, I'm not expecting much from Bournemouth, obviously, but yeah, uh, no bet. Um, this was the best you could come up with, and it was a half play because the number just jumped off the page to me. Bournemouth to score no at plus one forty four. Um, they had an xG of 0.79 last time they played Brentford at home, going to a place where you're playing against a better side. Much better side in Brentford, well-organized. This Bournemouth team could play for weeks, and I'm not sure if they come away with a goal. So plus 144, I'm willing to make that play. And Chelsea and Crystal Palace, 
10th place Chelsea, by the way, and 12th place Palace. Uh, what do you make of this one? Um, I've got a bet in this one, which is under two and a half goals. Um, I know Chelsea are trying to bring in some attacking players. I think Jao Felix has been announced, so he'll be, you'd imagine, playing in this game. Not sure if the Fulham game might be a bit too soon for him. I don't think that'll make a difference because it's not the actual, you know, the the, the goal scorer that's that's the issue. It's the creating the chances. And, you know, he, he might be able to help in that regard. Um, but, you know, uh, for me anyway, the way in which Potter likes to play, the key creators in that team are going to be Reese James and Ben Chilwell when they're fit. And, you know, ultimately they're not. And you've got, you know, like, you know, as Piliqueta playing at right back, which is is a massive downgrade. Um, so, yeah, their, their creativity is is lacking hugely. And, you know, you just look at the, the raw numbers. So under two and a half goals has landed in eight of 11 under Graham Potter. Um, it's landed in four of five at home. And the XG numbers under Potter, they've, they've generated just 1.1 expected goals for per game um, over his period, over his tenure, and just 1.2 expected goals for per home game. Um, so they, wherever, whether they play home or away, they're struggling to create chances. The only difference is that at home, they don't concede as many as when they're away from home. So it's at 1.29 expected goals against rather than uh, 1.59. So uh, that's a positive. And, and Crystal Palace struggling to create chances themselves at, uh, away from home, just over one expected goal. But um, you know, sixty-two percent of their away matches have gone under two and a half goals. So, yeah, I can see this being a very, very ugly watch. Um, maybe a, a one-nil either way, but I, I, I really don't see it kicking off into into fireworks. We're on the same page. Under two and a half, minus one fifteen. Highlighting how bad Chelsea's been in attack. And by the way, Pulisic, Sterling both out. Felix has come in to Chelsea. Yikes just in terms of what that deal looks like. Chelsea, five goals in their last eight Premier League games. They're 14th overall in XG, 12th in goals, 20th in shots, 19th in terms of shots on target. And Palace look to be a mess right now. So I like the under. Just from a historical perspective, Chelsea's beat Crystal Palace 11 times in a row. And wow. Palace hasn't come away with a clean sheet against Chelsea in 18. So just keep that in mind before you make any play this weekend. Chelsea wins a nil then. That's what the history suggests. But uh, As long as it's 1-0 or 2-0, we're happy. Exactly. Uh, and finally, um, Newcastle, third place, takes on seventh place Fulham. I don't have a play in this game. I, 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 I want to make a play on this game because these are two of my favorite teams to bet. But just on Pinnacle, there was no number that kind of stood out for me that was playable. I'm not sure if you feel the same way. Yeah, I quite like Newcastle on the handicap. Um, minus one, you're getting on the Asian handicap at minus one eleven. I think that's a good bet. Um, I think Newcastle win this game, and if if they win the game, you get your money back at least. The way in which they played at home, um, you know, they're one of the best home teams in the league. Two point five expected goals for per game, which is just incredible. Um, and Fulham, they're playing better, but there's still that vulnerability defensively. Um, they've conceded nearly two expected goals against per away game. Um, and have kept clean sheets in only 33% of road matches. So um, I'm expecting Newcastle to score. You mentioned at the top of the show that Newcastle's defence is, is fantastic. Um, and if, if Newcastle score at least once, then I expect them to win. I know Fulham uh, are strong in attack, but they've also got that tight turnaround um, playing Thursday, Sunday, which is not something that they'll be used to, which maybe have a have a you know a bit of an impact on them. But I can see Newcastle winning this quite comfortably with the way in which they're um, creating chances right now. I hear you. I typically like to bet full of overs. I'm not going to bet an over with Newcastle, especially defensively at home. It is worthwhile to point out that Mitrovic is suspended for the Thursday game, so he'll be fresh for the weekend. And Fulham, four wins from four after the World Cup. Like, they're on really good form right now, and they've won four games out of nine away from home in the Premier League season, 14 goals for 13 against. Like, they've been a good away side I just can't bet against Fulham right now. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how this plays out. For me, it's just a no play as much as I know how much I like to make <sighs> plays for each and every game. So uh, I'm staying away from it. Um, I was tempted, but not going there. Anything else to point out before we wrap up, Jake? Uh, no, just that Newcastle beat Fulham 4-1 the last time they played. Shabala was <laughs> was sent off in the eighth minute, and then he the was. four goals came. So, I mean, that was a game where really the sending off had a lot to do. Um, yeah. with the way that that game played. And, you know, Fulham, like I said, they're, they're playing really well. Um, you're right to point out they've won four straight, but those four haven't come against teams anywhere near the level of Newcastle. Um, 
the, the games against teams in the top currently in the top six, they've I think they've they've only drawn one out of eight. Uh, they've lost seven. But to be fair to them, they've they've you know they've they've only lost by one goal in six of them. So they, the city, they, they do. The city game will haunt them. Like that wasn't yeah, big just time, the way yeah. they played out. Um, um, and they won their last two away against Leicester City and Palace. And you might say just Leicester City and Palace still won their last two away games as well. So yeah. Uh, that, and you know, that Newcastle fade is going to start sometime again, not this weekend for me. Um, check out our Premier League predictions articles on Pinnacle and keep up to speed at Pinnacle on Twitter and Pinnacle Sports on YouTube to catch the latest from our NFL Insights team. It's playoff time. Eric Eager, Ben Brown, who just recorded the NFL Playoffs Preview podcast. Find out where experts believe the value lies. Follow along with myself at Gareth Wheeler at Jake Oz on Twitter. Odds are correct as the time of recording. And as always, please gamble responsibly. No head-to-head play this week for Jake and I. Uh, quite so an agreement, just, actually. There's a lot of agreement this week. So just let's just call us Team Awesome as we try to make it back-to-back-to-back-to-back <laughs> profitable weeks here on EPL Insights. Top, top work, top stuff as always, Jake. Thanks for this. We'll do it again next week. Likewise. Yeah, look forward to it. He is Jake Osgathorpe. I am Gareth Wheeler, and this has been EPL Insights presented by Pinnacle with data provided by InfoGoal.